Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, I'm trying to tie together some things we've talked about in the last several Wednesday nights. And one of the things we talked about last week was heavenly things, setting up where we went this past Sunday. We're talking about heavenly things. A few weeks before that, we were talking about building a strong mental stronghold. We'll do a recap of that and how important that is. Take and hold the high ground is what we call it. Take and hold the high ground of your mind. So let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, starting with verse 3. It is for though we walk or we live in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. When we understand that our weapons are mighty, they have power to do something. So the weapons God has given us are mighty and they have power to do something. So say it with me, say the weapons God has given me are mighty and they have power to do something. The weapons God has given me are mighty and they have power to do something. And this instance, this power we see mentioned here is for the pulling down of strongholds and the casting down of imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into, every, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, this phrase pulling down and casting down means demolition. The phrase pulling down and casting down means demolition. The word strongholds is a castle, a fortress, or anything on which one relies. A stronghold is a castle, a fortress, anything on which one relies. A philosopher of the first century AD, a Roman philosopher, his name Seneca, he used that to describe an argument, a persuasive argument. This word imagination in this passage means reasoning and thought. And the phrase high thing means an elevated place or an elevated structure. So a definition I've given you in weeks past, I'll reiterate, is a stronghold in your mind can be a mentality, a philosophy, or even an identity. It may be an argument for a set course of actions. It is a mental process or philosophy on which the person relies, depends on, trusts in, and has confidence in. One more time, a stronghold in your mind can be a mentality, a philosophy, or even an identity. It may be an argument for a set course of actions. It is a mental process or philosophy on which the person relies, depends on, trusts in, and has confidence in. Knowing this definition, we can say that there are godly strongholds and ungodly strongholds. There are godly strongholds and ungodly strongholds. Go ahead and put that in the chat. Say there are godly strongholds and there are ungodly strongholds. I like this quote from Pastor Mac Hammond. He said that this is your success in this life will depend on the strongholds you build for yourself and occupy. Your success in this life will depend on the strongholds you build for yourself and occupy. Now let's go to Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. This is the verse we referred to at the end of last Wednesday night's message. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, verse 2. It says, If then you will raise with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things of the earth. Look at the phrase, set your mind. The Amplified Classic Edition says it this way. 
If then you have been raised with Christ to a new life, thus sharing his resurrection from the dead, aim at and seek the rich eternal treasures that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And set your minds and keep them set on what is above, the higher things, not on the things that are on the earth. Now you will not be able to focus on things above or set your mind on heavenly things if you do not build godly strongholds in your mind. You will not be able to focus on things above or set your mind on heavenly things if you do not build godly strongholds in your minds. I'll say it one more time. You will not be able to focus on things above or set your mind on heavenly things if you do not build godly strongholds in your mind. Strongholds have defensive capabilities to withstand the assault of potential invaders. Strongholds have defensive capabilities to withstand the assault of potential invaders. If you build a stronghold, you build a castle, you build a fortress, you're building it not just because you like a castle or a fortress would be nice. It is to protect the territory where that castle is. It is to maintain dominance in that territory and provide defensive capabilities if invaders were to come. And so we're building godly strongholds because we know there are invaders. There are disobedient thoughts. There are imaginations and reasons that oppose the gospel that we are to be on defense against. So that's why we have to build godly strongholds. If we ever want to set our mind on things above, on heavenly things, so we can manifest heaven on earth, we must build godly strongholds. If you can see that, go ahead and put it in the chat and say, I can see that. If you can understand that, if you can see it, go ahead and put it in the chat and say, I can see that. So the question we have to ask ourselves, it's a personal question, is what's in your mind and what's guarding your mind? What's in your mind and what's guarding your mind? What godly strongholds have you built? So let's go to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. What's in your mind and what's guarding your mind? The scripture says here, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be stand or withstand, stand against the wiles or the strategies of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation. And the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And so you're not going to be able to stand well or stand long or stand effectively if you don't have the armor on. And you're standing and withstanding against the attack of the enemy, against his strategies, against his wiles, against the things listed in Mark chapter 4. You're standing and waging war against those things with this armor that God has given you. I want you to notice tonight where we're going to focus on the helmet of salvation. Go ahead and put that in the chat. Say it out loud. Say the helmet of salvation. If you want 
to build godly strongholds and be able to set your mind on heavenly things, you must put on the helmet of salvation. First Thessalonians 5 eight says it this way, but let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. We'll read that verse to you again. But let us who are of the day be sober, put it on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. The hope of salvation, what is that? Hope simply means it's confident expectation. So put on for a helmet, the confident expectation of salvation. And this word helmet, this helmet that Paul's using as an example in Ephesians 6 and 1 Thessalonians 5, it's copied off the armor of the Roman soldier. And this helmet would cover their entire head. It was a heavy piece of metal, usually made out of bronze. It covered the entire head. It covered the cheeks. It covered the neck. So that doesn't matter what was fired at the head, whether it was a sword or an axe, the person wouldn't lose their head because of their helmet. The helmet also sometimes had a beautiful plume of feathers on top or horsehair, something that drew attention to itself. It was a beautiful piece of artwork on the soldier of, of the soldier. Now, one of the things I want you to know that he's saying for our helmet is the hope of salvation. Our helmet is salvation. So let us define salvation. Salvation is defined as deliverance, preservation, safety, rescue, health, when a form of this word is used in the Gospels, talking about people who were, uh, Jesus would use the phrase, your faith has made you whole, or your faith has saved you, or your faith has healed you. So that word also means to heal, to restore to health, to be made whole. So salvation is, yes, salvation is deliverance, is preservation, is safety, is being rescued, is being made whole, it's being healthy, it's being restored. So is the knowledge of salvation protecting your thinking? Is the knowledge of salvation protecting your thinking or are you still thinking like you did before you got saved? That's a question you have to ask yourself. Is the knowledge of salvation protecting your thinking or are you still thinking like you did before you got saved? Are you thinking like you are saved? Because once you're saved, you don't automatically begin to think like you're saved. Some action must be taken. Is the knowledge of salvation affecting your thinking? Is the knowledge of your deliverance affecting your thinking? Is the knowledge of your preservation affecting your thinking? Is the knowledge of your safety affecting your thinking? Is the knowledge of your rescue affecting your thinking? Is your knowledge of your health affecting your thinking? Is the knowledge of your wholeness and your restoration affecting your thinking? Because all of those things were given to you and promised to you when you were saved when you were born again, when you made Jesus the Lord of your life, all of those things became yours, became your rights. You know, we talk about this Sunday, how we are citizens of heaven. And the rights of a citizen does not begin when they get to that territory or that home country. Wherever they are in the world, they still have those rights of that country that they are from and that backs their citizenship. Your citizenship is in heaven, the scripture tells you, and you have rights on this earth because you are a citizen of heaven. And part of those rights are described in the definition of salvation. You have a right to deliverance. You have a right to preservation. You have a right to safety. You have a right to help. You have a right to being rescued. You have a right to restoration. You have a right to be made whole. Go ahead and put it in the chest. It's my right 
Come on, say, it's my right. Come on, say it again. Say, it's my right. You have a right to these things. And because you have a right to these things, if you do not think on your rights, you will not experience these things. If you think that these things don't matter, if you don't think on these things, you think these things are attainable for your life or for your family because of your background, your education, what you're around. If you think, oh, I only can get this in heaven in the sweet by and by, you will never experience the fullness of salvation Jesus purchased for you to have on this earth. You must make a stand for your rights and you only stand for the rights God has given you if you renew your mind, build godly strongholds and understand that you must arm yourself with the helmet of salvation. You will not be able to consistently think on heavenly things if you do not cover your head in the helmet of salvation. Let's go to Romans chapter 12, verse one. Romans chapter 12, verse one. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, the renovation of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. If you're going to think like you're saved, you're going to have to renew your mind. You're going to have to re renovate your mind. You're going to have to take things out of your mind that uphold the will of God, that upholds the truths of the word of God, that upholds your salvation and replace it to what the word says about you being saved, what the word says about what belongs to you because you're saved, what the word says about your rights because you're saved. You have to put those things in your mind and build on those things and build godly strongholds. Just because you have a good thought about the word of God and he thought correctly about the word of God in an instance does not mean you built godly strongholds. It just means you've had a few good thoughts. To build a godly stronghold takes time. It takes repetition. You have to do it consistently and continually. Just like if you were building a castle, they didn't just build a castle overnight. They would have to put brick by brick, layer upon layer. They're building a stronghold that can withstand assaults, that it can be a defensive house for those who come into it. It can defend them. It can protect them. You have to think of your mindset, your mentality the same way. Building a mindset that can withstand an assault. Building a mindset that can withstand the strategies of hell. Building a mindset that will help you defend the territory God has given you. And not just defend, but learn how to go on the offensive. Say, I must put on the helmet of salvation. Go ahead and put it in the chat and say it again. Say, I must Put on the helmet of salvation. So we have to ask these other questions to ourselves. How does a saved person think? How does a saved person think? Simply, they think like they're saved. They think like they're delivered. They think like they're preserved. They think like they're safe and promised safety. They think like they're rescued and promised rescuing. They think like they're healthy and they're promised healing. They think like they're whole and they're promised wholeness. They think with salvation as the foundation of decisions. They think with salvation as the foundation of their decisions. And so the decisions they make line up with what God has promised them. And so they think concerning salvation and say, well, I'm saved, so I'm not going to sin because I've been saved from my sins. I resist sin because I'm saved from sin. 
I'm going to resist sickness and disease because I'm saved from sickness and disease. So I'm going to do the right things in the body. Yes, I'm going to stand on healing scriptures. Yes, I'm going to pray. But I'm going to do all the natural things as well because I know God's will is for me to be healthy. You have to make decisions that are based on your salvation and what you see in the word of God as promised to you. You must challenge your thinking when thoughts come into your head throughout the day, in the early morning, late at night. Is this what a saved person should think? That thought that's in your head that you're thinking about meditating on and thinking on again and just tossing around in your head. Is this what a saved person should think about? Is this what a saved person should think about? Does this thought line up with God's word? What are you consistently thinking on? Because whatever you consistently think upon, you'll build into a mentality, you'll build into a stronghold, and it will begin to produce more thoughts, which will lead to actions, which lead to words and habits, and it'll become your lifestyle. That's why I'm encouraging you to build godly strongholds, put on the helmet of salvation so that you can have a godly lifestyle. Godly lifestyles will just appear overnight. They start, yes, with being born again, but they start with you changing the way you think. So yeah, so thinking like we're saved, thinking on the basis of God's word, making decisions on the basis of God's word, making decisions on the basis of being led by the spirit of God, on faith and the wisdom of God. But beyond that, are you expecting salvation? Beyond thinking like you're saved, are you expecting salvation? Now, we shared a message on Sunday called Incoming. Are you expecting the outpouring of heaven? Are you expecting the reign of God's spirit? Incoming. Go ahead and put that in the chat again. Incoming. Hey, if you missed Sunday's message, I encourage you either tonight or tomorrow, go listen to Sunday's message. It's on YouTube. It's on our podcast, You on Faith Plus. You want to hear that. So you know some things we're referring to. So go ahead and put that in the chat. Say, incoming. Are you expecting the incoming? Are you expecting salvation? Are you expecting deliverance? Are you expecting victory? This is your year for winning and victory, but are you expecting victory? Are you expecting restoration? What are you expecting? Well, Pastor, why is that important? Go to Matthew chapter 9 with me. Matthew chapter 9. Verse 20, and behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood 12 years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, other translations, she kept on saying, if I may but touch the hem of his garment, I shall be whole or I shall be made well. I shall be restored to health. That word souls are there. But Jesus turned him about and when he saw her, he said, daughter, be of good comfort. Your faith has made you whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. She kept saying within herself, now, what she was saying was based on the word of God. It was based on the testimony of Jesus. She heard about Jesus. Faith came in her heart. She heard from the Malachi that if she would, that when the Messiah shows up, there'll be healing in the border of his garments and the borders of his prayer shawl. And she kept saying something based on the word of God. If I will touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. So she was expecting when she touched the hem of Jesus' garment, she would be made whole. She was expecting to be healed. She was expecting deliverance from the issue that was plaguing her body. What are you expecting today? If you're going to have on the helmet of salvation, you have to put on the expectation of salvation. 
You have to put on the expectation of deliverance. You have to put on the expectation of victory. What are you expecting? Psalm 34, verse 19, go with me there. We referenced it a few weeks ago. Go to Psalms 34, verse 19 with me. What are you expecting? It says here, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Many are the pressure-filled situations that come to the righteous. But the Lord delivers him out of them all. So it doesn't matter what affliction has shown up in your life, what pressure-filled circumstance in your life, you have a promise from the word of God. God will deliver you out of them all. So what you're facing today, are you expecting deliverance from that situation? Not like, oh, maybe I'll work it out. Maybe I'll figure it out. No. Are you expecting deliverance? Yes, you do the natural things. Yes, you do the things you know to do. But are you expecting God to put his super on your natural? Are you expecting the intervention of God? Are you expecting breakthrough? Are you expecting angelic assistance? Are you expecting God to get you the victory and cause you to triumph like he promised you? What are you expecting? 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 17 and 18. Notice what the Apostle Paul says here in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 17 and 18. He says, notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Notice what Paul was expecting in a tough situation, a tough circumstance where everything seems against him. He said, the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and he will preserve me. Why? Paul said, I'm not done until I'm done. I'm not done until I've completed my race. And until that point, until I'm done, the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and he will preserve me so that when I'm ready to step into the heavenly kingdom, when I'm ready to depart this earth, I will be preserved. And when I'm done, I walk out. He expected deliverance. He expected preservation. He expected salvation. Go with me to Philippians chapter four, verse six. What are you expecting? Go with me to Philippians chapter four, verse six. What are you expecting? We'll remind you of some things tonight, encourage you some things tonight so that you go to bed in expectation of victory. You go to bed in expectation of deliverance from any affliction that's facing you. You go to bed expecting healing. You go to bed expecting restoration. You go to bed expecting preservation. You go to bed expecting that breakthrough you've been believing for. We have to affect our thinking and our mentality and stop letting everybody else determine what we think. But we make up our own minds and we think according to the word of God. Because if you don't make up your own mind, somebody will make up your mind for you. And if you don't think for yourself, somebody will think for you. So you need to make up your own mind and think for yourself and base your thinking on the word of God. Build godly strongholds and follow the leading of the spirit of God. Philippians chapter four, verse six, be careful for nothing, which means don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep, which means guard your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. You wanna protect your mindset with peace, then that means don't be anxious about anything, but in everything that shows up that would cause you anxiety, that would cause you to stress out, that would cause you to be overburdened, all those things, Turn to prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Talk to God. Let him know what you want. Let him know what you want to happen in this situation. 
And what is the result? Not only do you have that situation turn for your good, but the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and your mind. So the peace you can experience is not determined by your circumstance or your situation, but it's determined by you turning to God in the midst of that situation and praying in faith with thanksgiving and you'll experience peace and that peace will stay with you to the point that you need that breakthrough to change. It will stay with you until what you, that miracle you need to manifest. So even if it takes a little time for the situation to turn, you're not without peace, but you'll be in peace in that situation. It will guard your heart and mind. It's our defensive capabilities here. Then notice what he says next. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, Think on these things. Once again, control your thought life. Determine what you're thinking about. Determine what you're not thinking about. What a saved person think this way? Am I thinking with an expectation for salvation? Am I thinking with an expectation for God giving me the victory? What am I thinking about? I'm not just letting random thoughts stay in my mind. I am on the alert to make sure my mind is acting the way I want it to do because my mind is my mind. Go ahead and put that in the chat. Say, my mind is my mind. Go ahead, say, my mind is my mind. You don't let the media determine how you think. You don't let the opinions of social media determine how you think. You make up your own mind and you base your thinking on the word of God. Your mind is your mind. Think on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. I love how he ends it because I love what it said in Romans 16, verse 20. Romans 16, verse 20. And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. The God of peace. The God of peace. This word shortly refers to the march of the Roman soldier. And remember, Paul talked about the preparation of peace on the feet as a, the shoe of the Roman soldier. It refers to how they would march, how they would stomp, how they would trample over the enemy. You see, if you get your thinking right, you'll walk on the enemy. It's too long because our thinking has been wrong. We've allowed the enemy to have high places in our life. But as we get our thinking right, will take and hold the high ground. And we won't come down from the high ground. We stay in the victorious position of the high ground. We withstand the attacks of the enemy and we press forward, expanding our territory, building more strongholds, building more defensive positions and taking new ter territory and experiencing the victory God has for us. And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet. Notice, he'll do it under your feet. You are the body of Christ. So expect victory today. Expect victory tonight. Expect victory tomorrow. Expect those opposing circumstances and situation and every devil from hell that's been sent to take you out the way to be crushed under your feet. Expect every sickness, every disease, every pain, every infirmity, every variant to be crushed under your feet. Expect every economic challenge to be crushed under your feet. Expect every attack of the enemy to be crushed under your feet. You must do the natural things. You must do the spiritual things. And you must 
build the high ground in your mind. You must build godly strongholds. You must clothe your mind with the helmet of salvation. It's not optional if you want to think on heavenly things so you can manifest heaven on earth. Take and hold the high ground of your mind. Put your helmet on and expect victory. Put your helmet on and expect victory. Go ahead and put this in the chat. Say, I'm putting my helmet on tonight and expecting victory. Say, I'm putting my helmet on tonight and I'm expecting victory. Say, I'm putting on my helmet tonight and I'm expecting victory. This is your midweek reminder. Praise God. Glory to God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for what you shared tonight. We've talked about many things. I pray that they don't become hearers of this word, they'll be doers of this word, so we can be blessed in our doing. I pray that you encourage them and grant them insight and perspective on thinkings they need to change, mentalities that need to be renewed, so they can think according to the word of God. I give you all the glory for it. And I pray for people right now who are battling any sickness, disease, pain, infirmity, depression, anxiety, stressed out, worried. I pray for your life to be ministered unto them right now, for the healing power of God to serve their body, to restore them to health, to grant them wisdom and understanding of what they should do today and in the days ahead. Angels, go forth and assist them and help them and deliver them from the attacks of the enemy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.